All right, this being Easter Sunday morning, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, we don't really like to call it Easter, but everybody can relate to what we're talking about if we use that term. That term was given to us by the pagans. But uh, the, the, real, the real label is the Resurrection Sunday. This is the day, the first day of the week, when Jesus arose from the dead. He had been crucified and laid in a tomb, and after three days and nights, he rose again by the mighty power of God himself. What does that mean to us? Let's talk about what the resurrection of Jesus means to us. What does it mean to you? Of course, the glib answer would be, because he lives, we shall live also. That's putting it in a nutshell, right? And uh, that's enough. That's all we know is, because Jesus lives, we shall live also. But there's more to it than just that. And uh, I want to look at a couple things the Bible talks about. Uh, that the resurrection of Jesus actually did for us and does for us while we're yet living. Yes. Not just, not just uh, something to look forward to in the by and by when we are raised from the grave. Thank God that day's coming. Amen. But I'm not in the grave yet. That's right. I don't think I am. Not a literal grave. I might be in a rut. You know, a rut's just a, a grave with both ends kicked out. Sometimes we, we bury ourselves in our religion. We bury ourselves in tradition. We bury ourselves in unbelief. And we need to be resurrected from all that and brought back into the light. Amen? Well, turn with me to Romans chapter 4 and verse 24. And we'll read this out of I'll read this out of my giant print King James Bible. See if I can get it right. Romans 4:24 says, "But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead." Okay, there's something coming to you based upon you believing on the God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's our Father, our Heavenly Father. If we believe on Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, we'll receive something. He was delivered for our offenses. And we sung about it, how his, our sins were laid upon His cross. And our, as well as our sicknesses and diseases, uh, and by his stripes we're healed, we were also forgiven of our sins by him delivering us from our offenses, our transgressions. We were all guilty. We were all guilty of breaking his laws. And he was raised again. Everybody say raised again. You see, he died because of our offenses. But he was raised again for our justification. That word justification is very important to us. Because that's what brought us into right standing with God. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was signifying by that act of raising him from the dead that he had accepted the offering of his life for our sins. The sacrifice was acceptable to God. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was indicating to us that we have now been made righteous through the righteousness of Jesus. Now, you can find that in 1 Corinthians 5, 21, uh, that says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that word justification simply means he made everything right. Now, we often say, we often, you know, for memory's sake, we tag this little, this little uh, acronym or whatever to just as if I'd never sinned. However, that's, it, and that's not totally correct because we did sin. But he puts us in a position and a relationship with the Father of a, of a son who's been forgiven of all of our sins. 
So we are, we are standing, we, we have right standing before God. The resurrection of Jesus signals to all who believe in him that we are standing right with God. We have nothing to fear from God's judgment. We have nothing to fear from God's wrath. Our sins are forgiven, and in God's mind, they're forgotten. Men, they don't forgive, and they don't forget. But God is not a man. God has the capacity, he has the heart to not only forgive you of your trespasses and sins, but to forget them. The Bible says he cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. A sea is a bottomless pit. It's, it's something that is deep, and he covers them up in the, with the blood of Jesus and removes them from his memory. Not only is he washing us, but he's washing his own memory and erasing the books, the handwriting of ordinances that are against us. He, you know, uh, Jimmy was talking about how God's a good bookkeeper. Every idle word that comes out of your mouth is recorded. Every action, every deed. But our sins are ripped from the book. They're washed and wiped away from the book. And we're made to appear in heaven as sinless, guiltless, shameless children of the Almighty God. When you stand before God in the end of your life, it's not going to be about your sins. Because you've repented of them. You've believed on the work that Jesus did at the cross. And you believed in the resurrection. And the very fact that Jesus is the one that's going to be judging you proves that, you, that you're not there to talk about your sins. You're there to talk about your rewards. It's a reward ceremony. It's God's big thank you party for the life that you've lived for him. And anything you did for yourself is going to be burned up in fire and, and it'll be gone. But everything you did for him, everything you did out of right motive and right intentions, everything you did because you love the Lord, you see there are a lot of things we do just because we love him. I forgive my enemies, not because I want to, but because I love Jesus. Amen. That's right. There are a lot of things I do. There are a lot of things. There, there are places I've gone in my life that I didn't want to go there, but I, was just, I just did it because I love the Lord. Amen. I, I did it because he asked me to, and I love him, and how can you turn him down? How can you say no to Jesus? Well, people do all the time, but not believers. True believers say, oh, Lord, you know, I, I owe you so much. <laughs> I knew a man that he had every penny that he ever gave to the Lord written down. He had all of his tithes. He, he showed me his book. He, he had a book. He had written down every penny. He had written down every offering. And he multiplied it all by a hundredfold. And he, and, and he said, now, this is what the Lord owes me. He said, he said uh, do you know how much you've given to the Lord? How can you know how much you're supposed to get if you don't know how much you gave? And I said, well, I didn't know I was supposed to keep records. I thought that's what the IRS demands of you. And besides, God keeps the records. I don't have to keep the records. And besides that, God doesn't owe me anything. He's the one who made my life right. He, he gave everything. He died on the cross so that I could be right with God. I don't owe him anything. I, I don't tithe because I owe a tithe. I tithe because I get the tithe. I tithe because I love him. And, and uh, yeah, there's promises associated with it, and I know those promises. And I use those promises to war a good warfare against the enemy who would try to come in and steal my harvest. But I don't stand before God and say, God, your word says you owe me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Remember who you're talking to, people. <laughs> Show some respect. Amen. Anyway, uh, I don't know why I went off on that tangent. But, you know, uh, Jesus, Jesus said that his blood, his shed blood, would be enough to justify us, to make us right. And that's, that's Matthew 26 
in verse 28. This is uh, the uh, communion or the Last Supper. And he's talking about the blood. And he said, this is my blood, Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions, the remission of sins. Jesus says, this blood that I'm about to pour out at the cross is for the purpose of remitting sins or, or removing your sins. You see, his blood was enough. There's nothing else required. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do penance. I don't have to pay to play. I don't have to say seven Hail Marys. I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't have to, I don't even have to pay my tithes because his payment was enough to remove my sins. Now, I, I, I do the tithe thing for a different reason, but not, not so that I can, I can get forgiveness of sins. You can't buy what Jesus already freely gave. The price was paid. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't know. We sing about it. Amen? And by raising Jesus from the dead, God demonstrated his acceptance of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. Turn to Romans 8.33. I, I think you'll like this. Romans 8.33. Well, I know you'll like it. Just tell your neighbor, I'm going to like this. Romans 8.33. Who shall lay anything... To the charge of God's elect. Now, I, I, I'm not going to go into defining what elect is, but just, just say, that's me. You're chosen of God. Jesus said, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. That means you've been elected. Elected for what? Salvation. What else do you need to shout? I mean, you've been, you've been chosen by God to say, he, wanted to, he chose you to save you. So who's going to lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. That means it's God who settles the score. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Everybody say, he's risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. You see, anyone who would try to charge us with our past sins or try to condemn us for some mistake we made in life is going to have to deal with Christ, the judge, who, by the way, just happens to be my high priest and intercessor. They're going to have to deal with Jesus. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he set Jesus at his right hand, and gave Jesus all of the rights to judge my life. So the one who died for me is the one who judges me. The one who died for me is the one by whose blood my sins are removed. All I got to do is just stand there and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that what you did was enough for me. I don't have to add to it. I don't have to go back and redo it. I don't have to die on the cross. I don't have to shed my blood. You know, the Mormons believe that in order for you to be forgiven, you have to shed your own blood. They believe it so strongly that they believe that if your neighbor won't shed his own blood and you love your neighbor, you'll go shed it for him. Y'all didn't know that? Say, Pastor, where did you get that? I got that from the mouth of Brigham Young III, who, by the way, is a born-again, spirit-filled preacher today. But he told me that himself. Yes, I met him. <laughs> I don't know where he is now. I think he had to change his name because they were, they were shooting up his house and bombing him and trying to kill him, trying to shut him up, threatening his family. So I think he changed his name, went into some kind of uh, 
re-identification. And, uh, but last I heard, he was pastoring an Assembly of God church somewhere here in the United States. Preaching the truth. You say, well, now, no, I'm not going to get into that. You know, uh, <laughs> there, are a lot of, there are a lot of good people that are Mormons. But uh, when they get up in the hierarchy and in, in the higher echelons, you know, they, uh, they, they are not, they're not worshiping the Jesus that raised from the dead. Amen. Oh, by the way, Mitt Romney is in the hierarchy. He's one of the higher-ups in the Mormon church. He's a snake. I wouldn't trust him any further than I could throw him. <laughs> Amen. Pastor, you shouldn't get into politics on Easter. It's not politics. I'm just talking about, you know, how, how God's the one who made us right, and we don't need to shed our own blood. Amen. And there are, there are huge organizations out there in the world preaching that there's stuff you've got to do. Don't let anybody tell you there's anything you, you can do to cleanse yourself of your sins. There's nothing you can do. You can't pay for it. You can't, if you paid every penny you ever had and ever will make, it wouldn't even come close to removing one sin from your record. There's only one thing that washes away my sins, and everybody knows the answer to that, is the blood of Jesus. Amen? All right, so the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates that God has accepted that sacrifice for us. Now, look in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, the resurrection of Jesus demonstrates the power that is available to the Christian. Not only does God make everything right and justify us in His presence, but God empowers us with a very special power. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is coming your way right now. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is given to you. Ephesians 1, let's start with verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. No earthly man or institution is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. And as we, as we believe in him and put our trust in him, there is a power that is sent to us. There is a, there is a power that comes into us. And he, he says it's an exceeding great power. It is the very power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the resurrection power of God is given to you when you believe on Jesus. When it says there in uh, Ephesians 1, 19, the greatness of his power to usward who believe, that, that phrase, power to usward, how many of you believe? There's an exceeding great power to usward. That, that phrase, to usward, means unending and never interrupted power. That means it comes and it comes and it comes, and it keeps on coming, and there's no interruption to it. It's called eternal life. Resurrection power equals eternal life. The Bible says that when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we pass from death unto life. Things that were dead become alive. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Amen? 
He that eats my body and eats my flesh and drinks my blood, though he was, were dead, he shall live also. It's resurrection power. It's eternal life. And it comes your way the moment you believe. The moment you believe, you come alive. Amen. You were dead. You were cut off. You were separated from God by your sins. But the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the remission of your sins by his blood, you, be, you become a recipient of God's life. Jesus said the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. That word life there is zoe, which is the very life of God. It's the very essence of God himself. The life that God has living in him starts coming your way in an unending, uninterrupted flow. That's called eternal life. It's resurrection power. And it's for you now, and it's for your whole being. It's for your soul. It's for your, it's for your mind, your will, your emotions. It's for your body. By his stripes we are healed. Not going to be, not used to be, but are. With his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Body, soul, and spirit. God does not recognize uh, a, a distinction between your body and your spirit when it comes to his benefits and his redemptive powers. He, he, is, he has promised us that our bodies not, will not only receive healing power now, but that, that uh, in the, uh, when we wear them out, we take them off like an old coat, and we put them in a hole in the ground, or we burn them up and scatter the ashes, however way you want to get rid of your old coat. He said that same body, that same body, will rise at the sound of the last trumpet. Yep. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall be changed instantly into our new, our new suit. And we'll go and we'll rise to meet each other in the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to meet Doug Anderson and, and Joe Wagner and some of these guys you know, that we've sent on ahead of us uh, and I know exactly. I know exactly where I'm going to meet them. I'm going to meet them in the air. Amen. They're bringing my horse. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, we're. That's right. I'm. I'm going to have a. I'm going to have a beautiful, beautiful stallion. Praise the Lord. And and it's it's uh, it's it's going to be glorious. So we're looking forward to that. It's called the blessed hope of the church, but it's all made possible by the resurrection of Jesus. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, God says, everybody that believes in you, the same power that raised you up from this grave is going to come towards them in an unending flow for the rest of their existence eternally. There's power. There's resurrection power coming your way. Now, you need, you need to quit deflecting it. You need to quit deflecting it with your unbelief. You need, to, you need to turn your cup over so that God can fill it up to overflowing. Amen? <laughs> Surely goodness and blessing and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You need to slow down a little bit and let it catch up. Amen? You need to let the blessing of the Lord overtake you. Because it's coming your way in unending flow. Power of a resurrected life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Well, you know, look at Colossians 2.11. When does this power first available to me? It's first available to me the moment I get converted. Colossians 2.11. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. See? <laughs> By the circumcision of Christ. See, Christ his circumcision, his bloodletting allows me to put off the sins of my flesh. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. In other words, if I trust in the operation of God, I am risen. I'm no longer dead. Who has raised him, the God who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. That word quickened means made alive. You who were dead in your trespasses and sins have been made alive, quickened together with Jesus, with all of your trespasses forgiven. So that happens, that happens the moment you believe in Jesus. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I didn't know that. Well, you do now. Amen. So now you can bank on it. Now you can, now you can draw, you can, you can draw from that, that power. Look in 1 Peter 3. He, he, he relates it to baptism. How many of you have been baptized? Okay. Now, baptize, the word baptize means to immerse or submerge or saturate. You see, um, not only are you put in the water, but the water's put in you. You, you, be, you become more like a sponge. You see, if you baptize a sponge, what happens to that sponge? It just soaks up all the water. And that's the, that's the true picture of baptism. You, you're, 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 you're dunked in Christ, and you're soaking up Christ, his anointing. You become him. In nature in power, in inheritance, in everything. You become like him. That's how Paul could say that you become joint heirs with Christ. What's his is yours because you've, you, you're the sponge that soaked him up. That's what baptism uh, you know, uh, indicates. The, wor the word baptize indicates. Well, 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. <laughs> People get all in a tizzy about methods. Well, should I get baptized in still water? Should I get baptized in running water? Should I get baptized in river water? Is it okay to get baptized in tap water? How about bath water? How about muddy water? Should I use the name of Jesus or should I get baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost? What's wrong with doing it all? I baptize people by the authority given to me in Jesus' name. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I cover all my bases. I don't care. What about, what about sprinkling? What about, uh, what about dunking? What about, well, you know, to me, my answer to all of those questions is the answer of a good conscience toward God. It's between you and God. If getting sprinkled was good enough for you and you don't feel you don't have any qualms about it, that's between you and God. I'm not, I'm not here to condemn you. If I tried to condemn you, I'd meet up with Jesus, the judge, and he'd say, what are you doing here? It's not my business to condemn somebody that's been sprinkled. But I've had many people who were sprinkled come to me and say, you know, I'm not so sure that's good enough. I want, would you baptize me? Would you dunk me all the way under? And I've done it. Some of you. Some of you ex-Methodists. You know. I love Methodists. Because Methodists, most of the Methodists that I have known and met, they, they want more. They want more. And they, and, and they want to go all the way with Jesus. And I, I love that about them. And they have a grace about them too. Praise God that a lot of folks don't have. But he says, the answer of a good conscience toward God, look at the next phrase, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Who rules? Who rules? Who rules the angels? Who rules all the powers and principalities? Who rules above everyone Jesus Christ and who is my intercessor the very person that rules is my intercessor I've got a friend folks not just in high places but I've got I've got a friend who has no one above him he answers to no one you say well he answers to the father oh no they're they're in total agreement 
Jesus and the Father are in total agreement. There's, there, there's never been an argument between those two. They've always been on the same page. Hallelujah. And it was the Father who gave Jesus a name above every name. So that power then is available to live not only to be raised from the dead and go to heaven, but that power is available to live this life now. To live this life now. Ephesians 3.20. I love this passage. I, because it talks about unlimited, excessive, overflowing power. The word power here is dunamis. Dynamite. Amen. It's where we get our word dynamite, but actually, that's, that's to belittle this word. It's, it's the, it's the re regenerating, never-ending, always, always, always flowing, always increasing power of God. Amen. Notice where he says it is. Now unto him, Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power, and that's dunamis, the power of God, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. You see, the church is going to glorify God by allowing that power that God gives us to work in us. Now, the word worketh there is energeia. It's, it's not just... It's not just um, the power that's in you that's going to transform you. It's the power that is energized in you that is actually turned on, that's released. And you control the switch. Your faith controls the switch that turns the power on and that, that makes it worketh. You see, the problem with a lot of Christians is their switch is turned off. The power is there. The power is always there. The power is coming to them every morning when they wake up. There's more power there. The power is being poured on and poured on and poured on. It's like there's this big dam of power, but they won't open the floodgate. They, can't, they, they don't have the faith for it. Well, faith comes by hearing. That's why I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you these things so you'll know that at your disposal right now is enough power for your life to do whatever needs to be done for you, in you, through you, and by you, and because of you. Amen? Whatever it is God has assigned to you to do, the power is present to do it. The power is also present to heal you. The power is also present to guide you, lead you, and show you things to come because it's the Holy Ghost power. Amen? And so what you've got to do is you've got to get that power that is in you worketh. You've got to get it to working. And you do that by faith, just by faith, acting like it's so. That's what faith is. Faith believes something to the point that it begins to act like it's so. Amen. We were, we were, we were, we were saved by faith. Amen. For by grace are you saved, and that through faith. You had to, you had to open your mouth, and you had to confess to Jesus that he is Lord and that he's risen from the dead. So you can't even get saved if you don't believe in the resurrection. That's right. Do you know that there's a huge number of people who claim to be Christians that don't even believe in the resurrection? There are preachers in this country, some whose names you might recognize, that do not believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. Well, not only can they not be saved, but they're not going to get anybody saved. I used to live across the street from a denominational church. And every day there was a hearse parked in front of that church. Every day. His, his members, you know, were old. It was an older group of people, and they were dying every day. And I was in a ministerial association meeting one day, and we were talking about 
some things, and I said something like, well, what they need to do is get born again. And this pastor says, we don't believe in that. I said, you don't, you don't preach that you must be born again? You don't preach that in your church? Oh, no, we don't believe in that. And I said, I live right across the street from your church, and people are dying. Every day people are dying in your church, and you don't, you don't tell them how to get born again? I said, you know, God's going God's, God's to make you give account for this. And so I went to back to the church, and I told my church folks, I said, if you know anybody that goes to this church over here, you need to, start tell, you need to contact them right now and tell them how to get born again. You know, we started getting 80-year-olds and 85-year-olds and 65-year-olds and born again over the telephone. People calling their friends and saying, you know, I, I know you didn't hear this at church, but I want to tell you about being born again. And people would get born again over the phone. You must be born again, Jesus said. And once you are, there's a power given to you to live a, 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 an overcoming, victorious, dynamic life. Christians should not be beat up and beat down and run over. You should not allow the thief to come to you and steal and kill and destroy you. You should have that abundant life flowing in you. And with it comes power and authority. But you've got to believe it. Well, when you, if you don't know about it, how are you going to believe it? Paul talked about that. How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless a preacher preaches to them? So that's what we're here for. We're not here to save you. We're, we're not here to heal you. We're here to just announce to you what Jesus has already done 2,000 years ago. I'm just an announcer. That's good because then I'm not responsible to make it happen. Praise God, like with Mike Stafford and his blind eye. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't lay up all night the night before worrying about how that's going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't know nothing until I just heard in my spirit, call Mike down here, I want to heal him. He came down thinking he's going to take up the offering. Norma was the worship leader. I said, hand me that transparency that's, hang, that's on the overhead. Read this. He read that. God did his part. I did my part. Mike got healed. Then he traveled with me, giving his testimony. And lay, he, he, you know what? He, he was just a Baptist guy. But I, and uh, I didn't mean that derogatorily. He had no teaching on it, no preaching on it. But he received it. He let the, he let the switch of faith be turned on. And it began working in him. Amen. Ephesians 3.20. According to the power that worketh or is energized, released in us. There's power, but is it working? Is it released? Quit begging God and start looking at your own faith. I got saved by faith. I also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. I began speaking in tongues by faith. I began prophesying by faith. I've laid hands on the sick by faith. A lot of times I laid hands on the sick with no faith. But God's faithful. He honored their faith. James Maloney told me that he, you know, he said, I don't have a, I don't have a gift of healing. I don't have a gift of working of miracles. He said, the only gift I have is the gift of faith. But he said, I found out if I use my faith, all those other things will turn on. If I just use my faith, all those other things will just start working. Isn't that amazing? You used your faith to get born again. You used the faith to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You used your faith. You used your Well, just keep using your faith. Amen. And the power will work through you. The power of God. So that you can live an overcoming life, so that you can have all the benefits of the covenant, and that and that you can be mightily used of God. Wow. Well, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to stop there. I've got uh, I've got three more pages, but you know, I'll be here next week. <laughs> Amen. There's more.
There, there's more. Praise God. But we want to we want to uh, receive communion together on this Easter Sunday morning, and so I'm going to have the ushers to uh, uh, distribute the communion elements. And what better time of the year to take communion together than on Easter Sunday morning, when we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus? Amen. Jesus said. He told his disciples that night at the Last Supper, he said, this is the last time I'm going to do this with you. But he says, until. I'm not going to be able to, you know, do this physically with you, take communion or the, the Last Supper, the Passover Supper. He said, until we're all together at the resurrection and we all sit down together, then we'll, then we'll take communion together, and it's going to be one wild party. I mean, praise the Lord. Can you imagine taking communion with all the saints that have ever lived and died throughout all time? Can you imagine sitting down with Abraham, Moses, Daniel? I mean, you can name them. You can name them, but let's not name them. But we, we could just go down the list. Can you imagine taking communion with Jesus himself in the flesh, in, in the physical? Well, just close your eyes and imagine that he's here right now. Because he is. We just can't see him. All right. I hope you're having better success than me getting this little wafer out. What's bad is when the, the bottom thing comes open first. It helps to have a fingernail, you know. Thank you, Ruth, Jimmy, the whole church. Everybody's running up here with theirs. We're in this together, aren't we? That's the neat thing about it. You know, we get to share this together. Praise God. Well, the scripture says that the same night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, knowing, he, knowing that he was about to be betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Lord, thank you for thinking of me. I know you were talking to those men sitting around the table, but through them and through their witness and testimony down through the years, that benefit was extended to me. I'm so thankful, Lord, that I had parents that were believers. And they taught me early in life to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To accept his salvation. And to not try to earn it on my own. I thank you that I had a, an earthly father who never demanded that I earn his respect or approval, but he loved me unconditionally to demonstrate the Father's love. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything to make it happen. Lord Jesus, your body was broken 2,000 years before I ever got here. That alone proves that it's not by my works. But I can believe, and so I believe. Say that with me. Lord Jesus, I believe in the power of your broken body to heal me, to deliver me, to make everything right in my life. And I eat it 
by faith in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. Praise the Lord. Then the same night he took the cup. Now it had some form of wine in it. Probably not like wine we have today. I kind of feel like it's probably new wine. Fresh. But it's not, it's not the wine. It's what the wine represented. The cup, the cup was as important as the wine. Because he talked about drinking from the cup. Lord, let this cup pass from me. If it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He submitted to the will of the Father so that today we could drink from that cup of blessing, that cup of redemption, because Jesus shed his blood. I don't have to shed my own. Because Jesus poured out his blood, I can enter into a fellowship with God that is everlasting. Father, we just give you praise for the shedding of blood 2,000 years ago that ushered in eternal life for all who believe. Forgiveness of sins and the benefits of a new covenant that is everlasting. We receive it all by faith. I believe I receive it all by faith in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Now, as we prepare to leave this morning, I want you to, I want you to think about your assignment. You know, you're leaving here with an assignment. Look around diligently until you find the switch that turns the faith on and you turn it on. You say, Lord, I'm a believer and that means I am a receiver of your mighty power. And you flip that switch and you keep that switch on. Amen. Every day, Every day when you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, your power is coming towards me right now in an unending flow. I turn my switch on so that it can be released in my life. I believe in, for the release of your mighty power. Amen. Stand up with me. I want, you to, I want you to touch someone next to you. Take them by the hand. Touch them on the shoulder. Be gentle. Be gentle. Because <laughs> some have been bru bruised and broken. Got their wings clipped. You're looking good, Joyce. You're not in a cast. Ooh, praise the Lord. And we're just going to believe for the mending of our bodies so that we can walk out of here today as a witness that Jesus is alive from the dead. I want to let the Lord show off. Amen. Chris, are you ready for the Lord to show off in your back? Amen. He is going to make you a taller man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Right now, just pray for that person that you're in contact with. In the name of Jesus, I release the mighty power of God, the unending flow of your resurrection power. I release it into these bodies. Now, Lord, to heal to deliver, to restore. We reclaim organs that have died. We reclaim bones that have deteriorated in the name of Jesus. Osteoporosis, bursitis, all these diseases known to man, we rebuke you. We announce to you that you are here illegally and we evict you from these bodies today in the name of Jesus. Cancer, heart disease, 
all manner of affliction. We serve you notice now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead and who is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the majesty on high. In his name, we announce that you are evicted and you have to go. Tell it to get out. Tell it to go now in Jesus' name. Whatever it is that's trespassing in your body, tell it to get out and to get out now in the name of Jesus. I should be hearing more noise here. Turn your, turn your switch on and your volume up. Turn your volume up. Say, get out of my body. Get out. Weakness, get out of my body. Old age, get out. I'm not going to let the old man in. And if he gets in, I'm going to make him get out. I receive my youthfulness. I receive rejuvenation. I receive an enlivenment of my body. I am not accepting old age. Not until I'm really old. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We wait upon the Lord to renew our strength to renew our health. Thank you, Lord, that the power of the resurrection is flowing from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. And as we meditate on this, as we meditate on this, we add our faith to it. We believe in it. We believe in it. We will not stop the flow of your power working through us. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You, you will do the same in our finances. You will do the same in our family, our family relations. You heal broken families. You heal. You heal. And it starts with us forgiving. So we forgive. Hallelujah. We forgive. You give me the power to forgive and to forget. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. See, the world doesn't forget. But we're not of the world. We're of God as little children. We imitate God. We're God's kids. We imitate God. God doesn't just forgive. He forgets. So I forgive and forget. How can I do that? Because His mighty power is flowing in me. I can forgive and forget. Praise the Lord. If you come up to me and you say, you remember that time so-and-so did such and such? I said, no. No. Could I? Yeah, I could, but I choose not to. Why? Because I'm like my father. <laughs> my father forgives and forgets, so I just make up my mind I'm going to forgive and forget and straighten up, fly right. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Happy.